let's get ready to rumble. Damn. <laughs> All right, everybody. Big talk with Chris and Greg. Welcome back. This is Chris. This is Greg. Business. Business. I always forget about business. I got to get it out of the top. At BigTalkCG.podcast on Instagram. BigTalkCG at gmail.com. At BigTalkCG on Twitter. All right. Give us the tweeters. Give us the emails. DM it. <laughs> Give us those DMs. Yeah, bring dude. it to us. We're ready. Um, you know you've made it when people are uh, messaging you saying, well, why don't you uh, DM me your pay- PayPal? <laughs> your other account, it's like 100% guaranteed returns. And yeah. We're no. good, dude. Yeah. We're not even getting returns yet of the podcast. You think we're going to guarantee you something? I'm getting returns. I get free lunches, free meals. You're getting free lunches? Yeah, man. Especially all my friends at other stores. They just give me some free lunches. Oh, you got friends. I get, I get free. You got I get, friends. I get free. Every time I go into a bar now, it's like, Greg. It's like Norm from Cheers, man. I get free beers. You know, all that good stuff, Chris. There you go. Free burgers. Yeah. You're, you're, you're one-upping me on everything. <laughs> there we go. There we go. One-up. Um, I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm really, you know, we always talk about what we're going to talk about in our episodes, but I'm really excited about the nation. The UK is really going strong right now. Yes. And I don't want to sell any portion of the UK short. And UK over there, you know, email us, to, you know, bigtalkcg at gmail.com. Get on our Instagram, bigtalkcg.podcast. Uh, let us know. But as far as I know, the UK is England, Scotland, Ireland. And I'm not sure if it's separate from Ireland, but Northern Ireland. I'm not really sure how that all works or the, I'm with the you political on that, thing about okay. that. I want someone to kind of, you know, let set us straight. Um, but all I know is that the UK is strong in the nation. All right. <sighs> strong. I like that, dude. You know, let's, get some- let's get on topic. Before unless, we- unless you got something else you want to talk about. I mean, no. I don't know. You're looking well, at me a little... More cross-eyed than usual. <laughs> Any new countries for us? No. No? Everybody's good? No, but I do want to say this. And I was deciding whether or not, you know, I wanted to acknowledge it over, you know, social media and stuff. Okay. But right now, today, I want to say thank you so much to everybody we know, everybody we don't know, everybody that's ever listened to our podcast, anybody that's ever downloaded it. Anybody that's ever taken even five seconds in interest of listening to us, we have past 2,000 downloads, which I oh. know in the grand scheme of social media with billions of people on this world may not mean much, but it means a lot to me. Yes, me too. Thanks, And yes. I know that every single person that has listened to us has taken something away. I have people that, you know... I mean, we don't, I mean, let's be honest with each other. We don't have people from outside of our friendship circle that listen to the podcast and then find out who we are and come up and talk to us. But we have people in our <laughs> circles um, and we have big circles of the people we know and they listen to the episodes and they come interact us with us about the episodes. And that's always fun for me to be able to talk to people, my friends, my coworkers, my bosses, the people that work under me, everybody. It's just such fun for me. And I hope that this just keeps continuing and continuing to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, cheesy as it sounds, I love every single one of you. And I just want the conversation to keep going and going. Well, thank you, Chris. I love you too. You notice he didn't say that I love you, Greg? Yeah. All right, no. Thanks, Chris. No. Jealous. Well, jealous. Who are you gonna do it with? No one. <laughs> who are you gonna talk to? Who are the the big talk you're gonna talk to? No one. I'm gonna talk to Big Talk Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Chris. Thank you. Yes, no, Nation, thank you out there for listening to us. Listen to us ramble if we uh get on a soapbox, which Chris does have like three boxes he gets. On. I got them stacked up, dude. So yeah. I can go I can you know, I I got my levels of soapbox. <laughs> Yeah, mine is a little small one. Chris over here has three of them. Let's do on then. All right. So now that we got that out of the way, 
our topic this week. The early days of the mighty ECW. That's right, the ECW. And you, we, we talked about whether or not we wanted to give this a specific amount of episodes, but I think that in the best interest of the nation, we're yeah. going to keep this open-ended. And even if part one goes to for two or three or four, and then part, you know, we just keep going on and on. We're just going to have to let it go and let it take its natural progression. Cool. It could be eight episodes. It I'm could down. Be ten. It could be two. Yeah. Could we be don't two. know. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to, uh, you know, mislead. Yeah, definitely. ECW, man. It, it was fledgling. Then it became to prominence. Then it became in competition with WCW and WWF. And it was definitely a competitor, and we could call that the big three. Definitely, you can consider ECW part of the big three, even though it probably took um, a while or it took, you know, tape traders. And, you know, this is before the Internet happened, so it was probably like word of mouth tape traders that just kind of, you know, got the ball rolling and, of course, when ECW started, they did have their, their big-time players. Um, but, like I said, it, it took some steam. You know, a few years later on, uh, you know, certain tapes, certain now things you can go back on YouTube right now and watch certain matches or look on um, Peacock and see some certain matches um, from Memphis. <laughs> and ECW, day, early days. So, In between yeah. office episodes, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely, I love Peacock. Okay, no problem. I think it's got great. It's got you know, it's got Office, which we know we love. Yes, it's got the WWF. Yes, um, WCW, WCW, ECW. It's got all you know, all your little ones. You know, your Mid South, your GWF, your um, Smoky Mountain, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can kind of see yeah. all these guys what they're coming up. Uh, but today, like Greg said, ECW, ECW, baby. We're about to get extreme. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't always extreme. No, it wasn't. It was uh, Eastern. Correct. ECW was always ECW, but ECW wasn't always ECW because before ECW was ECW, it was ECW as an Eastern Championship wrestling. wrestling. And uh, it came out of a, a tri-state wrestling promotion uh, in the early 90s uh, owned by Joan Goddard. And... Uh, it was it was a territorial thing. That's you know still when kind of things were territorial. Yes. Todd Gordon comes in and he buys it, and uh, he it was is and still is you know the owner of a family owned kind of jewelry shop jewelry company that 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 his family owns. And so when he bought it, he bought it as East. Uh, he Eastern bought his tri-state. He bought his tri-state and renamed it Eastern Championship Wrestling. Oh, okay. Okay. And then shortly after, they became part of uh, NWA. Got it. Um, basically, at the same time, see, so some things you got to kind of understand. There's a lot of intricacies here. Uh, WCW, which was the Ted Turner owned, they kind of mon monopolized the NWA got title. It. Yes. And so the title that Ric Flair always held, that one you guys see, the huge plate. Yeah. That's still the NWA title, but they kind of monopolized it and made it their own. So with WCW kind of monopolizing the title, um, it kind of went away from being an NWA thing. And, okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fast forwarding and I'm kind of lily padding, lily, lily padding this. And uh, But there came to a point where the NWA decided, A, we need to we need to crown a new champion, um, and they decided you know it got it got um, you know Todd Gordon yeah and uh, Paul Heyman who we're gonna go back and talk about in a minute after I get explaining the story decided that you know or persuaded the NWA to hold that title tournament in ECW which was still uh, Eastern Championship Wrestling. And hold it at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. And uh, they finally got the NWA community to say, yes, we're going to do that. But I think that maybe I've gotten a little bit ahead of myself. Let's go back a little bit. Um, so Eastern Championship Wrestling, you know, it came out of Tri-State. And then their, Todd Gordon had bought it, turned it into Eastern Championship Wrestling. 
Um, their first booker was Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. Obviously, Ooh, he came up, you know, he was big down South Florida, yeah. big booker. Um, booker is the person that kind of writes your storylines, books the matches, you know, kind of, you know, really navigates your promotion and the way it's going to go. And and he did it very successfully everywhere he was want to go. But at some point, he and Todd Gordon kind of butted heads. Got it. And uh, parted ways. Um, simultaneously, when that happened, it's kind of funny. A lot of times when you're talking about wrestling, you know, almost all sporting events, everything kind of happens simultaneously. About that same time, Paul Heyman, who was known as Paulie Dangerously in WCW, WCW, he had the Dangerous Alliance. He had, you know, he had his little faction stuff. Had gotten fired, and he got hired by Todd Gordon to be head of creative. Okay. For ECW Eastern Championship, Championship Wrestling, yes. and from there, the rest is history. But let's tell that history. Okay. Um. So Paul Heyman came in. And he uh, was working uh, with Todd Gordon and basically really took control of the reins and took control of creative and took control of the way uh, that he wanted this promotion to go. And it wasn't that Todd Gordon didn't like what he's doing. They actually were very on the same page, which which was great. I mean... Um, if you don't want the owner and your creative, because that's what happened with him and Eddie Gilbert. And if you go back and watch a lot of those early um, episodes, which I have, um, it's very old school. It's and very old school mentality, old school booking, old school storytelling, old school everything. Is this 92, 93, um, or is this 92? This is 92, 93. Okay, okay. And it's, I mean... You know when when Todd Gordon bought the uh, the promotion, you we had uh, Don Morocco, yeah, name, Tito Santana, name, ooh, big Tito, um, uh, Superfly Snuka, name, yeah, um, you know it was a mix of independent wrestlers from that region, uh, with a lot of people from big promotions, WWF and WCW that had a name recognition, which could be bring, put butts in the seats, basically. So in ninety two, ninety three. Um, all those guys that you were talking about, Tito, uh, they they were not affiliated with WWE anymore, right? So that was the contract. They were, kind of yeah, they were working independent circuit, but they had the big name. I mean, they were, they were, they I mean, they were still, owned their name. Yeah. yeah, they were still doing things in that late '80s, and that this is not a couple years after that. So they were definitely um, still names that 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 were that would draw, draw people, people, but not. I mean, if they came through today, I might be like, oh, even today, in yeah. I'm like, mm, I might go see that. I mean. How how well they're gonna wrestle? I don't know. Um, well, sometimes they're not wrestling. Sometimes even their name to bring you to like, hey, so and so is gonna be the ring announcer, and, you know, and and the, over there in the corner they're gonna give them you know twenty dollars. You can you know, take a picture with them and get his autograph. That would still bring us in there too, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. So um, so ECW yeah starting. Now I'm gonna give you a little quick fact. I love little factoids. Got it. Usually we reserve this for the records because they're easily recognizable. <laughs> they're printed out. ECW. First show happened at the original sports bar in Philadelphia. Damn. In front of about 100 fans. Um, guess, okay, I'll tell you this. One of the competitors was Jimmy Gennetti. No one knows who that is. No. Who do you think the other person was that was in that match? He was a stalwart in ECW for the whole run of ECW. And he's not going to be the person you think he's going to be. Sabu. No. Stevie. Oh, Stevie Richards. Richards. Damn. Okay. Yes, Stevie Richards. Uh, wasn't one of the in the first match. All right. You know, the ECW underneath uh, that promotion and uh, went to a 20 minute draw. Oh, okay. So that's your factoid. Yeah. You guys can take home with you, you know. Stevie Richards. So you guys can be like, oh, guess what I learned today? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they, you know, he brought basically the kind of their plan, Todd Richards' plan through the beginning of the promotion was I'm going to take these local regional wrestlers. Okay. I'm going to team them up with these guys that have name recognition, your snookas, your, uh, uh, 
Tito Santana's, Santana's, your Morocco's, your Jim the Anvil's, your... Uh, I remember watching episodes where um, Road Warrior Hawk and you know you get all these guys in there that you people know. Okay, you don't have to promote them; you just put the name, and that's it. You know, and so that was kind of his mojo from the beginning, just to get the butts in the seats, get the ball rolling. Um, but you said they were bringing those guys. Was it to teach the younger guys to step up, or well, was it? I don't know if those guys were really the ones who wanted to be teachers. I don't know. Probably Maybe not, because you know what. You don't hear, uh, and let me throw another name in there. He wasn't there from the very beginning, but he came in short later. Was Terry Funk, who I know yeah. for a fact was very good at teaching. Correct. He I agree with you. He was becoming at the age of where he wouldn't still have a job if the people beneath him and younger and up and comers couldn't do their job. Correct. So I need them. Or these other guys were so scared of their spot being taken. Yeah. When they were so old, they never had a spot still. Yeah. Well, you're yeah, trying to keep like people you're, down. You're, you're, I, people I didn't down. understand it. But Terry Funk was one of those guys that definitely was a teacher in the industry, taught everything he could to anybody that he touched to make sure that you were going to be successful. Because if you're successful, I'm going to be successful. And if I'm successful and you're successful, the business is successful. Exactly. And we can all flourish was, and we can all make money. Was it Mick Foley all about making money. Known, known like that too, where he was yes. able to be one of those guys he, that could be a teacher and yes. help these uh, younger oh, guys yeah. come up and oh, stuff yeah. like that. But I like that. That's good. So so uh, originally Larry Winters was the first original booker of BCW. Um, Todd Gordon went something new, so we hired Eddie Gilbert in 93. I'm just going to skim over some That's of this fine. stuff. Um you know, the, the booking got better uh, with the ECW Eastern Championship Wrestling. Um, and Eddie was actually also a wrestler. But he kind yeah. of, he emulated Jerry the King Lawler in USWA so much that he wanted to emulate himself in the way of Jerry Lawler. Got it. And it really wasn't jiving. It really wasn't kind of the direction that Todd Gordon wanted to take. Um you know, I mean, Eddie Gordon didn't steal the spotlight. He wasn't trying to be, you know, the top guy, but it just, it was old school. It wasn't yeah. something that he wanted to keep continuing. So w when he wanted to be like uh, Jerry Lawler, so he was trying to emanate him as uh, Memphis wrestling? Yes. He was kind of you trying know, to... Southern style wrestling, yeah, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm, exactly. Which which was very popular back, I would early say, 90s. Er, er, late 80s, early yeah. 90s, you know, from mm -hmm. that kind of stuff too. So I could see, so... These guys uh, wanted to uh, be like Memphis, be like uh, Smoky Mountain, but wanted to take it to a different level or a different direction mm -hmm. is what you're trying to tell me through yeah. all this that they're doing. And and Eddie Gilbert, you know, he, he had, you know, a pretty good run there. You know, he had some matches with, with Terry Funk, who sure. we talked about earlier. Um, and him and Paul Heyman, who, if you guys are current watchers of WWE, I'm, you know, I'm going to call it the F, WWF. <laughs> Um, he's the advocate for Brock Lesnar and currently, is he still currently doing Roman Reigns? Yes, he's still doing Roman Jesus Reigns. Jesus Christ. He's, just, you know what the thing I love about Paul Heyman? You go if with the money maker. is dude. your manager, your advocate, whatever he is, you don't ever have to talk. Right? You never have to talk. He... I love that. I think we talked about it on our manager episode. Mm -hmm. I love it. When my manager tells me how much my guy's going to kick your ass, <laughs> how much you can't beat him, my guy holds the gold. You're never going to get it. You can come as hard as you want. And I, my guy can just stand there looking like a fucking badass. Yeah. And never has to say a word. That's intimidating. That is. And uh, Paul Heyman is the master, and he just has a mind, one of the best minds for wrestling. I mean, the Mountain Rushmore of minds for wrestling. I mean, we could throw up there Jim Mc, or excuse me, Jim McMahon, Vince McMahon, Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette, um, Paul Heyman, and then whoever else you personally want to throw up there. Oh, I guess I don't, know. I don't know, but those are definitely three that are up there. Um, so Paul Heyman was worked under Eddie Gilbert. They were friends. Okay, he brought him in as an assistant Booker, but when Eddie got left, or got you know got fired. Paul Heyman got put in creative control and he definitely took control of the ECW. And not shortly after that, his first show that he took control of was Ultra Clash, which was held at the ECW arena 
on, let me get my date right here, September 18th, 1992. So was the... Excuse it, me, 93. ECW Arena, that's the one in Philadelphia, correct? Correct. Got it. Now, isn't the style of ECW when they started this um, a style of, of Lucha Libre from well, Japanese wrestling you know, and you know a little bit of yet. hardcore? So it, it kind yet. of... It had not yet reached out. It was at the point that... Um, Paul Heyman took it over. It was still, there were still some of the old school guys. There. Yeah. You still had these guys do like Johnny Hotbody, um, the Rock and Rebel. Um, Snooker was still in there. Yeah. He may have even been the title holder at that time. I'd have to look at my dates. It just was not, it was still a lot of old school. And Heyman just swerved it, which he always does. He took it in another direction. You zig, I'm going to zag. Okay. You zag, I'm going to yeah. zig. Okay. And he just took it in a whole nother direction. Okay. So Ultra Clash, 1993, September 18th, was the first show that he was the head booker, that controlling the creative of ECW, him and Tom Gordon on the same page. Are you going to give me some of the matches that were on there? Oh, I'm going to give you all the matches. Oh, okay, good. But before I do that, okay. I got I to gotta dig in here a little bit. I got to dig in. Give me my shovel. Man, I skipped over all this stuff. He... Paul Heyman had a different way of seeing things. He didn't think that people, you know, this is the early 90s. It wasn't your old man's wrestling. Correct. It was hip-hop, MTV, TV, Nirvana. The society was changing. Wrestling was still stuck in this mold. Let's change it. And one of the first things he did to change it was he took two guys and put them together and made what was really the start. I don't of, know what the word I'm looking for. The muse, maybe that's it. The muse okay. of ECW. And that is the, the public enemy. Yes. They were the epiphany. They were the start. They were it all came from them extreme championship wrestling what it became extreme championship yes. wrestling it was from them they their promos the way they wrestled they were the first ones to use the chairs the tables frying pans anything they could grab their promos were at one point you could think they were cheesy they did this whole like joking like they're on the streets and then they'd get you know they'd be joking around like Ooh, Johnny, doo -doo -doo -doo. I can't believe it. Then they get all in your face like, I'm going to fucking kick your ass tonight. <laughs> you know, and it was just like, you just flipped the script and it was like, oh my God. But the public enemy definitely ground zero for what ECW wanted to be and what they became. What were some of the other wrestlers at that time that were um, around that time? Uh, Other than the names you well, brought much earlier from Morocco to... Um, if you want me to look at like the Ultra Clash kind of thing, you know they had a lot. Sure, give of, me some Ultra um, Clash. Um, I mean, of course, to uh, Tommy Cairo. He had a big program with Sandman, who we'll talk about later. He had a big program with him that went from uh, the pre-Heyman uh, days to the post-Heyman days. It went into that. Um, you had your Super Destroyers, um, Dark Patriot, who was actually yeah. Eddie Gilbert's brother. Um, you still had Funk, you had Hanson, Kevin Sullivan was still there. He had a thing going with Abdullah the Butcher. Um, Which those uh, matches in itself were probably um, using the word extreme. Yeah. Mean, I mean, anybody that knows Abdullah the Butcher and Kevin Sullivan, yeah. definitely that's, you're getting color. <laughs> you're, as they call it in the business, you're getting color. Uh, Shane Douglas was 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 there. Okay. And he was really wrestling the Sandman, who we'll talk about later uh, again. Um and uh, the Headhunters, uh, you know, the, it was definitely, um, you know, Ian Eaton Rotten, who was also there, Axel Rotten's brother. They were These guys were all wrestling on that first show. Nice. But I love the fact that, you know, Paul Heyman came out first match of that first show under his control. The public enemy came out. Chairs, tables, frying pans, blood. Just they came out and, and and so how he found them was they were two wrestlers that were actually touring together that were opponents. Correct. And they wrestled around the U.S. They were not big names. Let's not get it. Let's this not is get it public confused. enemy. This is public enemy. Okay. Um, and he really noticed them when they were wrestling in uh, Japan. Yes. And they were opponents. And 
he said, these guys are such good opponents. They yeah. have such great chemistry. They'd probably but, make a great yeah. tag team. Put them together as a tag team. Here. They, they, they were one of them. I mean, Sands, the Dudley boys, they yeah. were the best tag team. I mean, you can take, you know, you got your Eliminators, you got your Pitbulls, so on forth, but they were probably, I think for the fact of the innovation they made, yes. how they helped start that company, second to the Dudley boys in the history of that company as far as tag teams go. Got it. Yeah, you know, um, that's one of those tag teams that we really don't talk about or give enough credit to on something like that. But I know those guys, like you said, I remember um, seeing a few of the matches in the beginning days, and those two guys knew how to kick some ass and take some names. Oh, yeah. You know, um, you know they, they thought they would, you know, they really, well, one of them, um, so I got it in my notes here. There we go. Johnny Grunge, whose name was Mike Durham. He was actually from Compton. <laughs> So he he had a little bit of that thought. I mean, a white guy growing up in Compton. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna grow a little bit of edge on you. Um, and these were not little boys, six two and six three, two fifty, two sixty. These are big boys. Um, Flyboy Rocco Rock and and Johnny Grunge. They were they were legit. And I love their promos. If you guys go back and watch them, you know they're being comical. They're laughing, and then they get that serious thing on them about how they're gonna whoop your ass. It was. It was great. It, it was definitely great. Um, I think that right now, you know, we talk about Public Enemy. Um, maybe let's go through a couple of these um, dates that you know I think I think personally important. Okay, cool. In the in the growth of the early ECW, and then uh, we can also talk about some of the uh, uh, personalities, some of the characters. Yeah, there you go. All right, definitely grew that company. Um, September eighteenth, nineteen ninety three. That's when Eddie Gilbert uh, quit. He was fired, Ooh, okay. but he says he quit. Um, that's when Paul Lee came in and yeah. uh, Paul as Paul Heyman and and, and basically uh, took over creative control. Right. Um, August thirteenth, nineteen ninety four. Ooh, all right. If you guys have ever seen, and I know you guys all have, if you're listening to this show. Never seen the ECW, the beginning of the show, where you see Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, yes. Terry Funk in the ring, and all these chairs are flying in? Yes. This was the match. Oh, guess what other tag team was in there? Public, Public Enemy. Enemy. And they were laying in the middle of the ring, and, and Terry Funk said, can I get a chair from somebody? And one person threw it, and he started waving. Everybody started throwing it, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, chair, everybody chair, has chair, thrown chair. their chair into the ring. And, you know, it takes one bad bounce off of a chair ring and it hits someone in the face, a lawsuit and so you know. Right. These guys got away with a lot of stuff. And, I mean, eventually, in the end, luck ran out. But, man, in these early days, they definitely had everything going well, their way. Well, think of it. Think of the crowd. So these guys are, what, we'll say early 20s, you know, and, you know, something like that. And if you get hit in the face or it's just like being in a mosh pit, you get banged up you'd fucking you know stand up and here you go you go at it again so you know getting hit in the face or getting getting crazy in this like a because that's what the energy is anyways you know are they really gonna sue mm, maybe i really yeah. doubt it but now if they just want to have they just want to have a good time and yell and scream and cheer and hey that's what they want and let's give it to them and ecw provided that because that was a staple in ecw you know pictures or anything you you think about it if you go back to the days you go, you, you see all these chairs flying in. That's a, you know, something that they're very proud of. And, you know, it's a big point, a big staple for them. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, dude. It, 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 you know, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> um, you know, here's a date for you. And this might be the most important date in the history of any incarnation of ECW. Okay. August 27th, 1994. So ECW from its origin was, well, it came out of, you know, the tri-state um, wrestling. When it became Eastern Championship Wrestling, they affiliated themselves with the NWA. That means they were under jurisdiction of the NWA. And it wasn't run by one person. There was a... This is old school, guys. It was run by a, a, 
a board of chairmen that voted on who was going to be the champ, who they thought was worthy to be the champion. Nah. And ECW, that at that time was NWA's Eastern Championship Wrestling, what fell underneath that jurisdiction. Okay. And they were really falling on hard times, NWA. W, and this is where I was going with earlier when I was talking about uh, Jim Crockett and they monopolized the title. Um, they kind of went away from the NWA title being its own thing and they kind of emerged into just being one title, the WCW title. Just that was all it was. And they kind of monopolized it and no one else could get it. And at this point, they wanted to bring back the NWA, bring back the 10 pounds of gold. And bring back that NWA title. So they wanted to have a, a tournament. Okay. And, you know, at this point, you know, Heyman, you know, pretty much, you know, he, 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 I, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look back at my dates. I'm not sure if at this point he owned it yet, if he had bought it from Todd Gordon or not. And for this event, it's not really important. Okay. Anyways, because him and Todd Gordon decided that, you know what? We need to find a way to break away. From the NWO. We need to find a way oh, okay. to become Just, relevant. We need to find a way to enter this 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 wrestling um universe okay. and become part of this, you know, WCW Correct. WWF. We need ECW here. So they came so the tournament they had a tournament that was planned and it was gonna be reluctantly was going to be held at w, ECW's arena in Philadelphia. Yeah. And the board of directors had voted that Shane Douglas, the franchise, I can't talk enough about this guy. He, I totally forgot about this guy. Shane Douglas is, we always like to say most of this, most of that, but he is right up there with one of the most underrated wrestlers one of the most underrated promo guys, one of the most underrated performers ever. You know, he is really, really, really good at everything he does. You're not going to sell me on that because whatever whatever you just said right now is definitely true on how I feel about him. I, I've, Since I got into ECW and noticed Shane Douglas, he was always, or the franchise, he was always one of these guys that I definitely uh, did love. Um but I was gonna, and I, and I hated him, which is what he wanted <laughs> you to do. I was like, "Oh God, fuck him!" I'm like, "Oh wait, that's what he wants me to do." Damn it, he is good. <laughs> did you did you know when they were doing this tournament, Chris, that they they there was one point where they didn't want to bring Shane in, is because that he was one of these guys. That, yes, he was a good wrestler, but he would always um, not show up to wrestling promotions. Like, you know, Hey, we well, booked him. Here's the thing. Here's he did the, it. He doesn't show here's up. Here's the thing. Um, as I hear what you're saying. Yes. Um, and I'm kind of disappointed in you because that's actually not the fact. The chairman of the NWA, I don't have his name right here. I will look okay. it up later. Was out there telling people that he was unreliable. He was no showing. And okay. Shane Douglas was like, this is, this is not true. Okay. And he was just trying to really disparage EC because he felt as though, because Jim Crockett had come back in to promote. So it was Jim Crockett, Tom Gordon, Paul Heyman, kind of throwing this thing together. He, the chairman of the NWA did not trust them and did not want Shane Douglas to be the champ. Got so it. he was throwing out all this stuff. And at that point, before the tournament, Shane Douglas didn't. And I was watching some videos today on YouTube. Shane Douglas, he was like, I don't even know who this guy is. Hmm. I don't know who this guy that's, that's mm-hmm. leading the, the you know the head of the NW, uh, NWA is. I don't know who he is, and 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 he would hold on. The mascot's thirsty. The mascot's thirsty, dude. He's yeah. drinking over there. Here, let's listen. <laughs> I love it, dude. State of the art facility, <laughs> soundproof. <laughs> Snores and slurps. Oh my god, I love it. Thanks, Rambo. Oh my god, we love. Hey, we take dogs into the nation. (laughs) We love the dogs in the nation. Um, uh, so the franchise, uh, Shane Douglas was really so, and this really does mean something. Okay, what we're gonna tell you later is, um, 
he was really taken aback by everything that this guy said and everything he talked about him. And uh, Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon were devising a plan at this time behind oh. the scenes. They wanted the ECW to break away. Correct. They wanted to break away from the NWA. They wanted to start a new thing. They were done with the old school. Paul Heyman was like, we got to get away from everything that's old school. It's not the way we want to do things. Yeah, right. We want okay. to start a new thing. We want to start our own fire. And uh, they took a little bit of time, but finally they convinced Shane Douglas, the franchise, to go away with to go along with it. And I've watched, I've watched this segment because <laughs> every time I watch it, it gets better. Oh, okay. Um, I probably watched it like five, six times. I, th- I think I've seen it twice. I don't it's think great. I did the twice. So they have the tournament. Uh, Shane Douglas beats Two Cold Scorpio. Yeah, Two Cold Scorpio, great wrestler, right? Great wrestler, awesome wrestler. Uh, then he, you know, they, they he wins and he gets the title. And so let's hear a little bit. No, I'm thinking the whole thing, the whole speech. So at this point, Shane Douglas has won the title, the NWA title. That the NWA chairman <laughs> said he didn't want him to win. Correct, but he did win. Um, let's hear what he has to say. All right, here we go. I mean, he he threw it down. He he said, "This is this is old school. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna be handed it. You know, from a board of directors. I'm gonna light the flame, right? And fucking a, dude. Yeah. I mean, that that's one of those you know promos that it gets forgotten. I don't know why, because it's so important. And in the in the in the story of wrestling, yes. it's so important. This is a very very pivotal moment." 
Because without this moment, things would not be have played out like they did in the Correct. future. And, and, or taken to, you know, uh, to made the a, extreme. Made a left turn and, you know, went to extreme championship wrestling. I love the public enemy. Well, let's talk about some other right, guys that, you know, right. or, you know, everybody talks about some of the originals. We'll talk about, we're not going to talk about Johnny Hotbody. <laughs> we're not going to talk about uh, Snooka, Tito. We're not going to talk Tito. about Morocco. Um, we're not going to talk about the Rock and Rebel. Um, yeah, whatever. Let's, uh, was that Ozzy Osbourne? Let's talk about the Sandman. Ooh. Yeah. Um, he actually, you know, got later acclaim in WCW, WWE, the revival of ECW when it came in later in the 2000s. Um, he, he definitely had a transition in his career. Correct. Um, the Sandman, sand as in the beach. He was a surfer. Okay. Um, came out with his wife, Peaches. <laughs> peaches uh, and Herb? Peaches. peaches. And uh, he definitely took a really big left turn in his career. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, we talked about him earlier, Tommy Cairo. Yeah. And they had a little program they ran together where, you know, Sandman thought that, you know, Peaches was with him, was with Tommy Cairo. And the, that kind of started the whole turn. You know, he started coming. He stopped coming out with the wetsuit. Uh, yeah, that's, um, that's what I was going to bring up. Was, he it, was he kind of like a beach bum or kind of yeah, like he was a, a, beach a guy surfer dude? Um, he started, and then he, you know, he teamed up with woman uh-huh. who was Kevin Sullivan's wife. Yes. Um, and, but she was all about, you know, chasing the money. This is the guy that's the champ. He's going to be my guy. Yeah. And that's who she was going to be with. Um, Sandman took a big turn. He went from, you know, the surfer dude to let, to walking to the ring, smoking cigarettes, mm. drinking beer, you know, the carrying his, his cane, Singapore and, cane, Singapore cane. And, he definitely went from one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah. And uh, I honestly don't think he would have survived as the first guy he was. I think that that was definitely a great move for him. Oh, definitely, man. I agree with you on that kind of stuff. I don't I don't think he gets a lot. I, if you ask, talk about Sandman today, he gets known for his later promo from being the, the cane swinging, beer guzzling, you know, uh, um, c- cigarette smoking guy than he did, you know, with a surfer in the, you know, the bodysuit and stuff like that. Well, yeah. With I, peaches I, and, you know, with that, with other than woman coming out and stuff like that. Was it woman, um, also, um, married to Kevin Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan. But then after that, she was with, uh, Chris Benoit, Chris, Chris Benoit, Chris yeah, Benoit. Sorry. Um, but the later years, the later years down the years. line, but I'm sorry. You know, though, but let's not, let's not, Sandman was not by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> a good wrestler. Okay. <laughs> At all. Um, he definitely got by on his promos. He definitely got by on his entrance. He definitely got by on his violence. Definitely got by on his extremism. All right. He definitely got by with women being a mouthpiece for him. He definitely did not get by on his wrestling because he is by no means a good wrestler. But yeah, I mean, you check nine out of ten boxes. Yeah, you're definitely, definitely gonna gonna make some money in this business. And he checked nine of ten, and and and. I mean, I even watch, and I, sometimes I watch him because I want to see how bad he is. Okay. Like, you see him do moves off the top rope, or you see him do, and it's like, that was, oh, what's he going to, how shit is he going to be next time? And you just, you know, maybe that was part of, man, he was bad. I mean, fortunately slash unfortunately, he was the, he had the most reigns as ECW heavyweight champion uh, five times. Okay. Um, the one thing I want to go back to is that Shane Douglas speech. Is that I don't know if 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 it if it does matter or if it's just me, but there's you know sometimes you get you know promotions be like this is our champ, this is our champ, but Shane Douglas said no I'm the ECW World Heavyweight Champion I think that makes a difference that one word, yeah the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, the WWF 
world heavyweight champion. The ECW, world heavyweight champion. You know what else you have? The hmm. USWA champion. The WWE, the, 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 the GWF champion. They're not world titles. They're not recognized as like world titles. He, okay. at that point, said, this is not only a title of ECW, which was still Eastern Championship Wrestling. This is a world title. And I thought that meant a lot. Yeah, definitely, dude. That was that, that was a great speech on on doing that, and you know how people pers- pers- uh, uh, perceived it uh, on that kind of stuff. So on some of the other uh, wrestlers we were talking about. So other than Sandman, we talked about Shane Douglas, Sandman coming. So any other wrestlers in that started from the beginning? I think Sabu was one of them, which is also one of my favorites. Wasn't he one of the? Uh, I don't want to say Sabu, originals. Or did Sabu come so in? There Ooh. was a show. NWA Bloodfest, I believe it was called, yes, on October 1st, which is shortly after it, and Heyman was still promoting. Um, this show was very important in the history of ECW because cool. it had the debut of three. Oh, okay. Three originals. Got it. Tommy Dreamer. Tommy. Sabu. Sabu. Tasmaniac. Tasmaniac. And, um, sorry about that. Um, so that's a big, big show for them because those guys really were yeah, definitely big instrumental sta- in big in, 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 staples in, in there in staples in, in running that was, ECW to where it went. Wasn't Tommy Dreamer like um like I said with a, his first gimmick? Oh yeah, dude, he was like the Chippendale like dude with the Chippendale with a clean clean cut guy. What was he? Probably like two twenty, two thirty at the time. You know, like you said, Chippendale clean cut guy. You know, coming out and doing but wrestling and and doing stuff, and I think um, one of the um, first grudge matches that he had was it with Sandman for uh, was like a yeah. Well, a, before I want to talk about something else before you talk. Oh, about okay. We're um, getting a little ahead of ourselves. Let's rewind. Um, so we talked about that whole thing about Shane Douglas, correct? Throwing down the title, correct? Uh, the next day, well, correct. they showed okay. So the next day, ECW. Has a, has their program, and Todd and Gordon gets on and says, they show a little clip of the NWA chairman talking about how oh, we we recognize Shane Douglas as our champion, whether or not he likes it or not, he is the title holder. Then they go to Todd and Gordon, whether or not he's the owner at that time, it doesn't matter. He says, I've heard the statements basically of of, of the NWA, and of this moment, I am folding NWA. Eastern Championship Wrestling, and I am now bringing you ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling, where we take things to the extreme. And that was the next day after Shane Douglas. And that definitely, I remember on that program, also Public Enemy coming out and spray painting out the Eastern and spray painting Extreme Extreme. underneath it. Um, That definitely was huge for them. I mean, it just now, definitely now you, showed the direction they wanted to take. Now, I noticed you said the next day, so I, I take it that the... Their next televised event. Their next televised event. Okay, yeah, because I, I remember that the, um, the first time ECDR, ECWR, Eastern Temperature Wrestling, was uh, in Philadelphia. They were they said they were doing Tuesday nights on yeah, some sports channel. Yeah, it was sports channel in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, so. correct. But yeah, their next event, he he said, "I'm folding it. And oh, okay. I don't want to be part of All the right. NWA anymore." And uh, we're extreme, and we recognize Shane Douglas as our world champion. Got it. And there they went. There you go. And that was really, you know, I don't think you know we talked about it a, a lot, you know. But going back right now at this moment, I don't think that we can put enough emphasis on that moment of Shane Douglas throwing the title down and. That was I don't think dude, that we yeah. can put enough emphasis on that. That's just um, groundbreaking and exactly. definitely changed the tra- trajectory of sure. that promotion. Sure, 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 sure. Um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about. Uh, so that was awesome. Yes, and you know they you know decided they're going to go a different direction. Sure. Um, Paul Heyman starts taking over creative uh, ownership and everything of the whole ECW. Let's talk about Sabu. Um. Came in. He was definitely known for his matches abroad in Japan. Yes. He was, you know, scars and, you know, came, you know, with this 
um, pre-notion of being very violent and, and, and did not give a fuck about himself. Yeah, himself or his body uh, would take that to like a, a whole new level in um, limiting himself to the wrestling and just doing moves. Who was he um, um, taught by? Wasn't it? Um, he uh, got taught by his uncle, uh, the Sheik, uh, Ed the Sheik. Farhat the Sheik. Wow. Damn. Uh, he, you know, it was, it was kind of weird because, you know, we're talking about early 90s. We're talking sure. low production. So sure. if you guys ever go back and watch these on the <laughs> um, you'll see how it's all of us. They don't give big promos like, okay, here's the one that I'll give you. Do you remember when Razor Ramon premiered in WWF? Yes. Why do you remember it? Because it was months and months of promos. Correct. Him in the car, him Correct. on the street, all this stuff. The yeah. ECW didn't do that. You just, the guy came and wrestled. This is the newcomer. It's Sabu. He was chained to the thing, and you're like, oh my fuck, who the fuck is this? Oh my God. He's <laughs> jumping out of the ring. He's off the top rope. He just did a backflip into this guy, hit him over the guardrail. Now he's made, now they're all bleeding. What the fuck <laughs> is going on? And that's how it was like, oh my God. They didn't give you time to prepare for what was about to fucking hit you in the middle of your face. But didn't he have like that Hannibal Lecter mask yeah. too? Well, he didn't like it. Yeah, yeah, he no, did but I mean, not like but, the mask. Well, I mean, he, he wore it like twice. He, okay, but still, he he come. They roll him yeah, out in yeah. it, and then he breaks out of this stuff with oh, a, a man, mask on. He, but that was is a statement like, oh my god, did you see the pit? Did you see this guy? It was definitely, it was definitely a lot different than than some of the other promotions are doing it. And I think that on a level, Paul Heyman um, appreciated the intellect and the smarts Correct. of the people that were watching the show of like. Correct. We don't need you to build this guy up. Just show us what he's got. Yeah. We're going to like him or not or get scared, which yeah. they did in, the, in, in, in terms of Sabu. And, dude, Sabu, his first match was against Taz. So let's go ahead and segue into Taz because Taz was a Tasmaniac. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul Heyman. These are all guys that Heyman found that were fledgling or wrestling in all these little mini promotions mm -hmm. around territories. So he brought Sabu in. He brought the Taz in. Saw something um, in him. He, you know, he told, you know, he had a little relationship with Taz. He said, "Hey, you know, I got this guy Sabu coming. Have you ever heard of him?" Taz said, "Yes." You think you could have a good match with him? Taz, Taz just wants to work. Yeah, great match. We'll, yeah. have an, we'll have an amazing match. We're gonna have the best match you've ever seen. Yeah. And they did have a great match, but you know, it just, you know, I mean, that just goes to show that like ECW, that's basically what they did their whole run. Yeah, I, uh -huh, I can do that. And they I, just do I it. Remember they make it happen in the moment. I remember an interview with Taz saying that same thing. Like he said, he said, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, I didn't know how to prepare for this guy. He says, but, you know, when I, I just went out and we just wrestled and it turned out to be a great match uh, between us two. And we had great chemistry. And, you know, we, of course, from that it was our starting point. And we built up from there from years to come. And I was and like, did, the man. Him and Sabu personally did not like each other. Right, like, Probably. like, like outside hey. of the ring, he Taz was like, "I don't like this guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't know much about it. I don't like to get into people's personal lives. I like their TV lives better." Um, Taz, you know, he became the suplex machine. He, be, you know, went on to WWF. We'll go into that later. Um, you know, just so you guys know, it's the same yeah. guy. Um, got a neck injury. Was out for about four months. Came back. You know, when the Steiner showed up in ECW, we'll talk about that a little bit later another episode but um him and sabu having that debut match together um really 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 showed what ecw was about to become the other public enemy yes being very extreme yes you got sabu and taz um and killing you, it yeah you got them killing it and um then in, the, in another match um tommy dreamer Let's go over here. Let me find Tommy. Who was uh, who was his first opponent? What's this? Are you looking for Tommy Dreamer's appointment? Opponent or what? Oh, they had a part two. Oh. Oh, they had a part two the next day. That's where Tommy Dreamer he wrestled the Tasmaniac. My bad, guys. Sorry for the silence, but it's live radio slash podcast slash state of the art. Slash studio. <laughs> um, you know, that brings me to 
um, another moment. Um, this is the last one I really want to talk okay. about as far as like time stamping it. So uh, 27th of August was the night of Shane Douglas where he threw down the title. The next Got night, yes. August 28th, was an event you were going to talk about earlier. I heard you starting to talk about it, and I kind of cut you off. So maybe I'll bring you back into it. That was the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, 10 Lashes match. Oh, okay. You remember that match? You want to talk yeah. about it? Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, a match between Tommy Dreamer and Sandman. And I don't, I don't mean to cut you off again, but I'm going to. Okay. Tommy Dreamer was not the Tommy Dreamer. You guys remember, he was wearing pants, sparkly, yeah. suspenders, sparkly, maybe a cummerbund, yeah. nicely combed hair. Yes. Um, baby face. Clean cut. But yeah. baby face to the extent where the crowd didn't like him. And this match is where he became the innovator of violence. violence. Go yes. Ahead. So, um, what was what happened in the match is, of course, Tommy Dreamer lost the match. He he had to get ten lashes from the Singapore cane. So uh, he started to the Singapore cane. And so he started. Sandman started to you know dig him ten, and you can. And he said by the, the and third woman or and woman kept saying, "You can give up, Tommy, if you want. All you gotta do is kiss my feet. Oh. Beg for forgiveness." And and every time Sandman swung, and you could see it in Tommy's back, and you see the lashing marks. These were not. I think it was fake lashes. Like, yeah, I know. These were. You can't fake it when everybody in the arena and everyone on television is, is watching. Is you cringing. Ooh. What are you gonna do? There's no. Uh, there's nothing else happening. There's no action. Yeah. You can't hold back. I, I think Tommy. After, and I don't think Tommy told him to hold back. Tommy said, "You no. better fucking hit me with everything you got." Yeah, I think it was after five or six lashes, Tommy started to turn around and says, "Thank you, sir. May I have another? Thank you, sir. May I have another?" Yep. And it was just like the crowd's going, "Holy shit!" You know, and you can just see the pain in Tommy. Tommy said after the interview, he said after the the three or fourth time, the pain went away, and it was just adrenaline. Adrenaline he was running on. And, you know, hit again, hit again. Thank you, sir. May I have another hit again, hit again. Yeah. So I think it it went to the like the last of the 10, you know, and Tommy, thank you, sir. May I have another. And it was just, I think that was like people started to notice like, hey, this Tommy Dreamer guy is tough, man. He's a good guy. Or, you know, next time he had a wrestling match, there were more cheers than, you know, boos and stuff like that from him. That was that was another good one. That was right. That was another. A couple guys I want to talk about quick before we yeah. end this episode that I think really had an instrumental part. Excuse me. Stevie Richards? No. In ECW, and I think that uh, Heyman would agree with me, um, Terry Funk. All right, Terry Funk. And oh. the one and only Mick Foley. Mick Foley, all right. Um, Cactus Jack. Um, Terry Funk was definitely one of those guys that was a great teacher of the um, art of professional wrestling not only told you how to wrestle he also told you how to cut a promo how you need to be just sure if you're going to be a heel you're going to be a face this is what you need to be this is the way you need to act you don't need to be so this and so that just serene like he was terry funk great Great and and he wrestled. He was champ there twice, two times, three times, I, maybe. I would I would say two and, times. And he's great. Um, then Mick Foley. Yeah, when he was there as Cactus Jack, he was. Um, he did a couple different runs there. He did his first run, you know, where he came in, he was wrestling, then he took Mikey Whipwreck under his wing. Um, then he did. I'm glad the, you brought him up. Then he did the anti-violence run. Yeah. And then he did the run after that, and, and he showed that there was a niche for his kind of wrestling. But the thing about McFoley was he just wasn't about how violent and extreme can I get. Amazing promos. Sure. Amazing wrestling. I mean, he wasn't arm barring you, but he could because he showed you in those matches when he went the end of violent way. He could mm -hmm. do all those things. Entertaining the crowd. Um, his personality, dude, and his charisma were just some of the things that you just naturally have or you don't have. And he was one of those wrestlers that basically checked 
all the boxes and you know you look back on it it's an unfortunate that it took him so long to get to the what we're going to call quote unquote the big leagues and definitely won the WWF title yes, big leagues and it, it it's just but he helped ECW yeah. promotion get to where it was and that I guess you know Everybody does what they're supposed to do at the time they're supposed to do. So what he was doing for ECW was what he was supposed to do when he was supposed to do what he was doing. You know what, what I mean? Did you ever hear that he was on loan from WCW? Like he was contracted under WCW at the time? Yeah, and WCW didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. They, didn't, they okay. were like, they, we don't know what to do with this guy. He can't. He, he wants to He's, wrestle, but he just wants to do these things, and we just can't do it yeah, on our this TBS is, This channel. is too much of a left turn for us. Yeah. We don't know what they're doing them. And then when I uh, was at Paul Heyman, asked for him or said, hey, you know what? Uh, something happened where he was able to acquire yeah. Mick Foley for some time that he, he got over for the belt. So he was contracted under WCW and loaned out to ECW. And uh, I think he really did make his name yeah. more in ECW. Oh, for sure. Than than he did at WCW. WCW. I definitely agree. All right, good. And you know, ECW such ha- has had such a storied, controversial, checkered past, and such a long story. Um, like we said, I, th- I think we said at the beginning of this episode. You know, we're going to do several chapters on this. You know, we're hoping to do you know one a month two months, three months, four months. We don't know. We're just going to let it go. Um, we just hope you enjoyed this, yeah, know, this episode. Um, you know, uh, ECW was definitely an innovator, definitely um, took things in a different direction the, at that point in the early 90s that what WC, WCW and WF were still cartoony. Okay. And the f- way they were taking the direction, they were definitely showing that we can take this segment of the 18 to 35-year-old males, and we can actually make money doing this. Ooh. We don't need everybody to, to, to make money. And uh, damn, they definitely made a run of it, and it was right? one hell of a run. Um, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, coming up in the future, we're going to talk about the things that I know that some of you guys want to hear about. We're going to talk about the Benoits. We're going to talk about the uh, uh, Malencos. Got it. The Guerreros. We're going to talk about... Raven's um, Nest. The Raven. We're going to talk about that rivalry he had with Tommy Dreamer, the Beulah McGillicuddy's, the yeah. Francine. We're going to talk about... Um, the Pitbulls. The Pitbulls. The Eliminators. The Ooh, Dudleys. John, uh, uh, Van Damme. We're going to talk about Just Incredible, the Ooh, prime yeah. time players. Yeah, you know what? We're going to talk about the gangsters. We're oh. going to talk about everybody. Um, but we just can't do it right now in one episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> we just that, can't talk that, about all that, that stuff. Was, We're that going was, to talk about it all. That was some good players right there, man. Oh, yeah, man, there's a lot dude. of good stuff coming up, right? You, see, you know, everybody kind of sometimes brushes over ECW. They're like, Shh. but it's like when you start naming them off, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. Oh, Rhino. Uh, I gotta forget about Rhino, dude. The they, Blue Meanie, Supernova. The Blue, the Blue World Order. The Blue World There's Order. So many things. I mean, Spike Dudley. Remember when they had that pay per view? They had Jenna Jameson come out. All that <laughs> stuff, dude, is just crazy. The, the, and you know, the thing about ECW, they weren't afraid to take a risk because everything they did, they did. Okay, let me rewind. They did a lot of things first. Yes. So a lot of those things they did first were risks. Yes. One, with what Shane Douglas did. Two, their extreme wrestling. Three, bringing the lucha to the States. The lucha, there was no lucha oh, yeah, wrestling that, in right? the States. Okay, yes. So yes. Rey Mysterio, the psychosis, that, no one was doing that. Um, and they, they brought New Japan wrestlers the too. New over, Japan right? wrestling, like that, 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 that Japan yeah, strong yeah, yeah. style. They weren't doing that. Some of the best things... That happened through in that happened in wrestling that you saw later on the mainstream things happened ten years earlier in ECW. Yes. They were the ones. Everybody says, "Oh, Ray Mysterio, I remember him. He was the attitude." No, that was ninety five. Yeah, <laughs> that was nineteen ninety five when he was wrestling when he was eighteen. Yeah, Ray cut I mean, Ray cut his his teeth on other promotions and stuff like that, and he just happened to make a little more big star in WCW and in, in WWE. Um, right. So, think that we can definitely 
uh, continue on, which we are going to going to do in, in yep. future episodes. Uh, but I think just talking about what we did and, and really touching on some of those high early points definitely sets a tone for what we're going to talk about later. Sounds great, man. All right. Love it. So from Chris and Greg at Big Talk Podcast. Podcast. See ya.